Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Soledago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about spring cleansing, to cleanse or not to cleanse. I'll talk about the liver and supportive herbs. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health, and I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. To cleanse or not to cleanse? That is the question. What is cleansing. When people refer to it, what are they actually speaking about doing? And I would say in today's age of herbal health care, um, a lot of times people kind of vision the body as in the current heroic tradition anyway, the body can be visioned as something that's dirty or impure or, you know, full of toxins from our toxic environment and from our food, and that it needs to be cleansed and rid of all of these impurities so that we may be cleansed, pure, and balanced. And maybe you picked it up a little bit in my tone, but I don't really like to think of our body this way. I don't really feel like it's a healthy way to view our body. And, you know, cleansing could as a huge range and lots of people speak of it and have different styles of cleansing. So it could be anything from, you know, focusing on herbs that support liver health and that help to um, support the lymph and the blood and the kidneys and the liver, which are all um, organs and systems that are useful in ridding our body of things that no longer serve us. Cleansing also often has specific diets um, that are included. There are often diets that are lighter eating, like especially for spring cleansing, or it's kind of like the same very mild and easily digestible food. Um, So like a really classic Ayurvedic cleanse would be eating kitchari, which is really well-cooked lentils with well-cooked white basmati rice and some digestive spices in there like cumin and coriander and turmeric and 
ginger and what have you to spice it up a little. And you could even maybe put some well-cooked veggies, carrots and whatnot in there and, you know, and, and eat that every day as your, as your food, just to kind of give the digestive system a rest and to, but still give the body some nourishment. Other cleansing food, dietary habits would involve, a lot of people will do like raw juice cleanses or really focus on like raw green smoothies um, with salads and just eating a lot of very raw and unprocessed food, um, which I really don't think is healthy. And um, I think that the raw food, you really don't get any nutrition from it. Raw vegetables are one of the hardest things on the digestive system and the hardest things to digest. Um, and pretty much zero assimilation happens. And it can really inhibit the digestive fire, um, the ability of the, the whole digestive system to break down and process food. Uh, another cleansing dietary restriction would be to not eat at all. And fasting is a very extreme form of cleansing where either, you know, intermittent fasting is pretty popular these days where maybe you won't eat for 12 hours, but then you'll eat for the other 12 hours, you know, three meals or whatever. But some people will just fast and you know, there's the master cleanse, which is a old classic cleanse, which is like you don't really eat hardly any food and you drink a concoction of, well, like, I don't even know exactly. I never have done this one, but water and maple syrup and cayenne um, beverage and a lot of lemon water as well in there, I believe. Like, I think it's like lemonade. But anyhow, I don't suggest that either. And people that I've known that have done the master cleanse have really damaged their digestive system. And it took a while to actually recover for them from that. I personally have done lots of different spring cleanses and fall cleanses all throughout my, um, you know, life as an herbalist and um, in different yoga programs that I was involved in. And so I have plenty of experience in it, but I really have come to believe that it's really not a healthy thing to do. And really what I like to do is to nourish um, our body systems that are involved in helping us to process metabolites and hormones and pollutants that we may be ingesting um, so that our body is always quote unquote cleansing or always, you know, keeping up with with what it needs to be processing so that we don't get this overrun, overburdened body and system where we then feel like, oh, we just need to like clean slate, like just let's just wipe it all out and start fresh because Really, that can be very damaging. So I think, you know, why do people cleanse? I think people cleanse because they think that 
they're dirty, that they're unhealthy, that they need to take action to improve their health seasonally, that they feel a stagnation inside or that they are, you know, coming out of winter and moving into spring and summer, a new season, and they just want to eat lighter and change it up and change the routines. And some of that I agree with and I think is great. Definitely the, you know, changing your diet to go with the seasons. Um, However, I really, you know, what kind of damage are we doing when we see our body as being dirty and toxic and filthy and needing to be cleansed? You know, we're not trash that needs to be emptied. We're not a toilet that needs to be flushed. We are living beings. We are living, delicate, changing ecosystems that are within and on our bodies. We need to be nourished with minerals and vitamins and protein and sugar and carbohydrates and a variety of phytochemicals, phytosterols, phytonutrients. We, I, I would rather, instead of looking at our body as this toxic, toxic waste dump that needs to be flushed and uh, emptied, I'd rather look at our bodies as living, intricate ecosystems that where we need to feed the soils of our being, that we need to provide it with rich compost, nutritious, rich compost, and gentle rain showers, a uh, Anytime, you know, a tsunami, a cleansing tsunami wave comes through an ecosystem, the only thing it does is damage. It does clean it. It gets rid of everything in that ecosystem and wipes it fresh clean, but it's very, very damaging. And I see a lot of these popular cleanses, these these intense gallbladder flushes or, you know, colonics or and enemas and you know, the really intense cleansing, uh, juice fasting is basically just treating your wonderful inner ecosystem to a tsunami wave. And it's not health promoting. In fact, it's actually very damaging. So what's the alternative? And I really think it, a lot of ways, it's a just a shift of perspective and seeing ourselves as not needing to be cleaned, but needing to be nourished. And quite honestly, um, you know, a lot of the same herbs that would be used in these quote unquote, you know, spring cleanses or spring detoxes could be seen and understood as supportive, tonifying, nourishing herbs like your dandelion root and your burdock root and the yellow dock root and these bitter greens um, which are all like actually very supportive for the liver so that the liver can do what it needs to do on a regular basis. So in the spring, if we want to, instead of cleanse, we want to nourish and support our systems of elimination, then I think that that is very healthy. And we can do that in a way that supports health instead of hinders it.
So I'd like to talk a little bit about our liver because it is such an important organ and it is tends to be a major focus a lot of in a lot of these cleanses and I think it's really helpful if we understand a little bit more about the liver and what it actually does. So the liver is the largest solid organ um, in our body and it is extremely important to life. It has over 500 functions and the liver live or totally is necessary for us to live. A lot of people, you know, originally thought that our brain and our thoughts were actually in the liver and not in our head, in our brain itself. And in traditional Chinese medicine, it's thought that anger is stored in the liver and that the liver helps us to process emotions. And we can think of, you know, people who are considered to be bitter or like resentful or anger angry can um, probably really benefit from some liver support and even some bitter herbs that can actually really help improve the functioning of the liver. Our liver is not a filter. It is very commonly called a filter. But if you think of a filter, a filter is something that uh, liquid flows through a filter and solids are kind of trapped in that filter. And then you need to replace filters. Like you need to replace your oil filter in your car because it gets all gooped up and you just need to, you can't really clean it. You just have to replace it. Um, you have to replace the filter in your vacuum or, or what have you. So our liver is not, it's not necessarily a, a strainer or a catchment system. It's actually a very sophisticated organ. It is important for processing a lot of, and basically everything that flows through our blood. So it's more, you could think of it more of a processing facility or recycling center more than a filter itself. So animals, we ourselves and other animals evolved to have livers so that we were able to handle poisonous substances that were found in plants, in food. And um, these poisonous substances are very bitter to the taste, like most poisons have a very bitter flavor. And the substances in the plants, the plants actually create these bitter substances to protect themselves from being eaten. Um, and it works really well by protecting them from being eaten by insects because insects don't have livers, but animals evolved because we needed to eat these plants so we to survive. So we evolved to have these livers that is able to protect us um, from these poisons and metabolize them and eliminate them before they can do harm to us. So because of this, the liver is actually triggered by the bitter taste and it needs that bitter flavor to get into action, to start the metabolization and to start the digesting, to produce bile, which is really important for breaking down fats and eliminating um, metabolites that we don't need anymore. And so it is basically because the liver evolved 
in coordination with bitter poisons, it needs, it works best if it is, if it is triggered by bitter taste. And that is why bitter herbs like the dandelion and the burdock and the yellow dock root and the bitter greens really help to get things going, help our liver to function and also helps to like get our whole digestive system functioning because our digestive system is like, oh, I taste bitter. I better get on the ball here and be ready to start digesting food because I might be ingesting something that is not healthy for me. It might be poisonous and I need to be ready to deal with that if I'm going to survive this. You know, that is our old, you know, our, our ancient body working in today's world. Everything in the blood, including metabolic byproducts, which are sometimes referred to as toxins, but it's basically, um, you know, as we ingest and take chemicals into us, nutrients and other things, and then we process them. And sometimes metabolites are rendered that we don't need, that don't serve us, and we need to eliminate those. Um, So that's what I mean by metabolic byproducts. Hormones, cholesterol, vitamins, minerals, enzymes, bacterial, viral particles, persistent organic pollutants, which are real poisons, um, and basically all chemicals from living in today's age are that are in our blood go through the liver and are judged by the liver. And the liver decides what's allowed to stay. It determines if something needs to be dismantled for recycling, which like hormones, um, the liver will take hormones apart and have them ready to be in their different pieces so that they can be built and turned into new and different hormones. It also can tag things for removal. It can say, well, this is going to go to the bile and to the intestines to be removed, or this is going to go into the blood, to the kidneys to be removed. So there are short path and long path chemicals and hormones that our liver deals with. And the long path chemicals will continue to cycle through the, li- through the body and through the blood and through the liver, as the liver has time to deal with them, it will then decide where they need to go, either in our body or to be eliminated. And these long path chemicals can then build up and they can cause symptoms. You know, if we don't need a hormone anymore, but our liver is too busy processing everything else that we've ingested and taken in to be able to process and break down that hormone, then that hormone's going to keep cycling around and it can cause unwanted symptoms if, if it's not a hormone that we really need at the moment. And then there are the short path chemicals, which are dealt with first because they usually take less energy to work with them or process them or to tag them. It doesn't rob the body of nutrition or um, it's just an easier chemical for the liver to deal with. So it deals with all those things first. And then if it's something that's like, oh my gosh, this is just going to be way too much effort to deal with you right now. I'm letting you 
come back around a second or third or fourth time until I am ready to deal with you. The liver is the only organ that is known to regenerate in our body, and it can regenerate from a minimum of 25% of its original amount to be a brand new liver. Every healthy cell of the liver is replaced every 40 days. So because the liver is ever changing, it's always dying and being reborn and being regrown, it's um, very little is actually stored in the liver. So it's, it can't really act as this filter because it's always changing, right? So it's mostly um, fat-soluble vitamins that it makes can be stored in the liver, iron, which it um, can store in the liver, and sugars are stored in the liver for uh, energy reserves. The persistent organic pollutants, which are really the chemicals that can really wreak havoc and are the ones that we really need to be concerned about, are stored in fat in our body and are not eliminated through the normal pathways. They are stored in fat, and the only way that they can actually be excreted from the body is in tears, milk, semen, and eggs. And so this is why it's most important if you're going to be spending money on organic food that the first place you put your money is in organic milk, organic meat, and organic eggs. Um, and then after that, you can spend your your organic money, quote unquote, on you know the top 12 or the quote unquote dirty dozen produce items. But you're really going to get your bang for your buck if you are eating organic fats, um, milk, and eggs, because that is where these persistent organic pollutants, which are things, pollutants that don't break down, you know, as they are forever in our environment, like DDT and other um, pesticides and herbicides and other really nasty chemicals like that, cancer-causing chemicals. The liver produces bile, which is stored in the gallbladder. And along with the help of the kidneys, it can it creates vitamin A and D and can store those, those are the fat-soluble vitamins, can store them for later use. So every drop of blood in our body moves through the liver every hour. And that's about three pints per minute of blood that passes through our liver. So as the blood moves through the intricate network of cells that make up the liver, it is carefully examined and then determined as to where all of what's in it is where it's all going to go. So it's super, super important. But again, it's not a filter. So getting back to the idea of detox and cleansing versus nourishing and restoring. So the heroic tradition of healing uh, cleanses and balances. And in their eyes, health is purity and balance. But really, you know, cleansing in my mind is code for 
damage and destroy. And especially anytime when we're talking about a living system. I mean, I guess if we're going to clean our house, we're not necessarily damaging or destroying it. We're just, you know, but if, if we're thinking of our dirty house as an ecosystem of, you know, bacteria, then we are destroying that ecosystem when we wipe it down with chemicals or clean it with bleach or vinegar or whatever the whole the whole idea of cleansing is to and killing is of cleaning our environment is to kill bacteria dust mites you know whatever these like micro molds and fungus and yeasts and sure that has its place but when we are talking about our body again we are a living system within our intestines within on our skin and everywhere and we need to think about that and can compare our body to the forest if we were to clean the floor of the forest and pick up every stick and leaf and debris quote unquote debris that is laying around on the forest floor we are going to drastically damage the ecosystem of that forest because there will no longer be food for the fungi and the mycorrhizae to eat and to break down and to turn into more healthy soil, um, which then is going to feed the plants and the life. You know, it breaks that cycle, that life cycle. If we think about agriculture, if we have really clean fields, um, which is what is done in, in industrial agriculture, where we, you know, because we don't want to have a lot of disease or insects or pests or bacteria or viruses, the fields are sprayed with herbicides and pesticides to keep them clean, right? And the idea is not to leave any organic matter in the fields, no leaves, no debris, just all of that gets cleaned right up because you don't want it harboring any mildews or um, insects or whatnot. But in a really good organic, sustainable farming system, the more life biodiversity that there is, the healthier the farm, the healthier the ecosystem, and the healthier the plants are. And the more resilient the plants will be to any sort of bacteria or insects or viruses. So in that is the same with our body. Like the more that we cleanse our body and try to rid it of whatever pathogens, um, metabolites, <clears throat> any of these things, we're actually like reducing the biodiversity in our body because we are going to be affecting the healthy flora and microbiota that is so important to our health. And we're learning more and more all the time about how important this microbiota, this microbiome, these bacteria and the virome, the viruses are, and the yeasts and funguses and all of that are so important to the health of our body. And when we cleanse, um, we really run the risk of damaging that delicate ecosystem within ourselves. 
when we detox, we can create harm by pushing the liver and the kidneys beyond their normal healthy function, by overstimulating them, by really pushing them, while not providing the nutrition to help them handle the added stress. So we will be, a lot of time, some herbal cleanses will be, we'll take a bunch of these herbs that are going to really stimulate, you know, the liver to function faster and better. Um, but you're not going to also have the nutrition to help the liver to keep up and stay nourished to be able to keep up with that stimulation. And, um, so that's going to be damaging in the long run. And it, and you hear, you know, people say, well, you know, you're going to cleanse and you're, you're probably going to get headaches and you might feel nauseous and you might feel sick, but that's all just part of the, the healing process and you'll come out of it and you'll be fine, you know, but people do have these cleansing reactions that, that they actually get sick from doing a cleanse. And I just, it, again, I'd rather nourish the body and nourish the liver so that it is functioning optimally on its own. And then, yes, adjust the diet so that we aren't consuming a lot of things that the liver is going to have to be processing and eliminating that, you know, that are like food additives and dyes and, you know, things that you find in processed food. So if, if cleansing in your mind is I'm going to eat a whole food, well-cooked diet, and I'm going to eat and drink supportive herbs and some bitters so that my whole digestive system is functioning better, then that's great. But honestly, like that's just kind of a good way to live in general. And you don't have to only do that in the, during a spring cleanse week or month or what have you. And then fasting is another interesting thing, which I really don't necessarily agree that it's beneficial. Um, because so when we aren't eating food, uh, you know, then oftentimes, yes, we, we start diving into our reserves, which is going to be our fat, which I think is why a lot of people do fast is like a quick weight loss diet. Um, but again, so these persistent organic pollutants are stored in our fat cells. And when we start breaking down a lot of fat all at once, all of a sudden, really quickly, because our body is basically eating itself, because we're not providing it food. So it's getting food from, you know, from our fat, um, then these are these pollutants are then released into our bloodstream. And they're going to go around and around and around until the liver has time because they are second path chemicals until our liver has time to find another fat cell to put them in or tears or semen or whatever. So I guess if you are cleansing and if you're fasting and then you watch some really sad movies and you cry a lot, maybe that would be um, effective. But there have been studies that are done that show, especially when men fast, um, that the pollutants the chemicals, the quote-unquote toxins in their blood increases drastically. And then when they start eating again, they, it, it goes back down. So, um, but the toxins themselves aren't necessarily eliminated from the body, but they are released so that they can kind of have the opportunity to do damage 
while they're cruising around in the bloodstream and challenging the liver itself. When we fast, we do, and when we cleanse and we're eating you know, very limited diets or diets that really aren't giving us any nutrition, like a raw food diet, we feel really good. We even feel pretty high. We get this like high feeling. And that is because from my understanding, our body goes into starvation mode. And it says, oh no, I'm starving. I might be dying. I am not getting nourishment. So hey, if I'm going, I'm going to go out feeling good. And so it starts to um, fill our opiate receptors so that we feel good and get, gets us through these assumed hard times that our bodies, it's like, oh, well, this is a really hard time. We're going to feel really good. And so it can be a bit addictive, these like raw food juice cleanses, because you do, you get this like, this really kind of light, high feeling. And that's, mm, it's not necessarily because you're, you're clean and you're feeling so great and bright and whenever it's actually that your body is in starvation mode. And it's like, we're going to fill those opiate receptors so that you start feeling really good while you are actually dying <laughs> of starvation. Um, not only that, but our brain needs food and nutrients all the time. And if we are not providing our body with food and nutrition all the time, and I don't mean we have to eat like every hour of the day, but if we're always, you know, having food that we're working on and providing our body with nutritious meals, well-cooked food that we can really get the nutrients we need, then we're fine. But if we aren't, then our body will feed it will rob other parts of our body to feed our brain. And that usually robs our muscles of nutrition. And the muscle that it tends to preferentially choose from is our heart muscle. In the wise woman tradition, which I have really loved um, working in and honoring and teaching from a space of, we, we like to nourish wholeness and health is wholeness and flexibility. And when we provide our bodies with proper nourishment, food and certain herbs, then they will have what they need to function properly. And food is one source of nourishment. Herbs can be foods, um, but also more concentrated and specific nourishment. And there are lots of herbs that are specific for liver health. I've mentioned a few of them. And it's going to be, they're often going to be bitter tasting herbs. So first we want to just eat really well cooked foods, colored foods, colored vegetables, green vegetables, green leafy vegetables, grains, beans, and whole foods, well cooked grains, well cooked beans, um, organic meats and fats in small amounts and avoid processed food and synthetic vitamins and minerals. So just stop taking your multivitamin and mineral and just focus on really healthy, nourishing foods and herbs. And the herbs that I like to think about in the spring to support my liver and my kidneys and my processes of elimination are dandelion, 
root um, or leaf or flower. You can use all parts of the dandelion. You can do a tincture, a decoction. You can eat it in food. Uh, burdock root is also excellent tincture, decoction, or in food. Um, and yellow dock. And those are kind of like my three favorites. Yellow dock root. You can also eat the leaves in the spring and the seeds are also beneficial. You can eat them or tincture them or make a vinegar with them. So for yellow dock, tincture, decoction, a syrup, um, and a, a food. And then milk thistle seed, which also have a bit of a bitter flavor to them. And that could be a tincture or you can grind them and sprinkle them on food. And those tend to be more of like a liver protective and restorative. So if you know that you're going to be exposed to some poisons or um, things that are going to challenge the liver, having milk thistle beforehand is really beneficial. It's more beneficial than having it in the moment of having you know chemical exposure or post chemical exposure it's better beforehand um, st john's wort also known as st jones wort or hypericum perforatum is really known to enhance liver function and to to allow the liver to process things faster and eliminate them faster and then those bitter greens, bitter greens added to salads really get the liver and the bile production going and the digestion moving. So again, let's focus on being nourished and seeing our body as a living ecosystem that is fragile and does not need to be cleansed, but it needs to be nourished and supported so that it can function optimally all on its own. If you're interested in learning more about foraging medicinal plants, making your own herbal remedies, growing herbs in your garden, and general seasonal backyard and kitchen herbalism, check out my Patreon membership classroom. You can find it under the Solidago Herb School on the Patreon membership site. So it's patreon.com Solidago Herb School. And this month we're going to be talking about spring greens, wild salads, and dandelions and burdock. Membership starts as low as $5 a month, and you get monthly classes, audio, video classes, and written PDF notes. You can also, available to the public on Patreon, are all of my podcasts and podcast notes that guide me as I'm talking with you. And so I hope that you want to check those out if you need to refer back to anything that I was talking about in a podcast episode. It's kind of an easy reference base. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, and my website. All of those, just search Solidago Herb School and you will find me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, 
and have fun with herbs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.